rubs her temples and thinks she might point out the benefits of AA the next time she and Celia get together. The two of them could go to a meeting in Manhattan, nearby but more anonymous than the ones in Patterson. She'll offer. She won't push, though. They aren't close enough for that. Her head throbs, and she remembers her aspirin is in the purse she left in her car when she ran down to Celia's house at breakneck speed, The front door is still ajar, and she pushes through the screen, grabs her purse from the front seat, and rummages through it for the bottle. Outside, the ambulance is audible. Its siren pierces the hum of traffic on the highway, and Dana glances up the street again, squinting in the thin light of a foggy evening. Something isn't right. She feels it, this offness of things and seconds later the siren's wail is deafening. Standing by her car, she swallows the aspirin dry, watching as an ambulance rounds the corner and grinds to a halt in front of Celia's house. Three paramedics run toward the front door, where Celia's husband leans against the screen. Ronald. She can just make out the glare of light bouncing off his glasses as he throws the screen door wide. She doesn't stop to think. She hurries down the street, past the three houses between hers and Celia's, walking quickly on the hot concrete. By the time she gets to their yard, she's running, and her sandals slip in a wet spot, a puddle, as she turns into the driveway. She falls against Ronald's car, throws her hands out hard against the hood to catch herself. She rushes up the steps to the Steinhausers and nearly collides with Ronald in the doorway, He looks at her, but he doesn't speak. He folds his arms over his chest as Dana slips across the threshold, where paramedics kneel on the new wood of Celia's recently renovated living room. Their heads are bowed as if they're praying, as if they're studying the grain of the bamboo floor, and Dana is aware of a pungent odor in the air, a smell she recognizes. God, she says, What? And then she sees Celia. She wasn't breathing, Ronald says. He's whispering, as if his wife is only resting here across the foyer, her dark hair splayed out in a puddle of her own blood, as if he doesn't want to wake her. I called 911, he says, uncrossing one arm long enough to point out the medics, crouched on either side of Celia, who lies pale and still, an oddly colored aura forming from the blood around her head. But it was the strangest thing. I couldn't think of our address. It was only the old Wilmont one I remembered, 3189 Wilmont. From where I grew up, he continues, in Cedar Rapids. His voice buzzes like a fly. Dana pushes in close beside Celia and feels a sorrow so intense that for a moment she can't breathe. Her neighbor looks so small and helpless lying on the floor. She must be cold. She must feel lonely with only these strange men around her. And Dana reaches out her hand to smooth back Celia's hair. Hey, the paramedic closest to her grabs her arm. Get her out of here he says to Ronald. But Dana is already backing away as Ronald says, 
There was an accident on the highway, a texter, a stupid fucking texter. Two hours we waited, sitting in traffic while my wife was lying here bleeding to- Got a pulse, one of the paramedics says, but it's weak. Ronald squats on the rug, with his arms dangling loose at his sides. He squints at something under the sofa, and then he half crawls toward it. A phone. Celia's phone, Dana notices and she is unpleasantly reminded of their argument earlier that day. We better get her to the hospital, one of the EMTs says. We're losing her. No! Ronald collapses sideways, nearly knocking Dana down. He crumples up like a flower on a broken stem, and she guides him to a chair where he sits, his watery eyes riveted on the paramedics as they rush the stretcher through the door.